0: Welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 77. Well, you may notice that this sounds a little different than the usual Parallel episodes do, and uh, we'll get back to the standard sound shortly. I just happen to be recording this intro on a different mic than normal. I also want to let you know that I'm back on an every two week schedule. I'm recording shows ahead and I'm also saving slots for those times when something new and crazy and interesting in technology comes along that we want to cover. So you could look for parallel every two weeks on Tuesdays, which was the former pattern before I had to take a little bit of a break. I have a really great guest today, somebody who's well-known in the digital accessibility community. She's a frequent speaker and is very active on the A slash 11Y hashtag on various social media, including Macedon and Twitter. And she is somebody that I've never met, but I've always wanted to know because she has uh, such uh, deep and interesting things to say about digital accessibility. That's Leonie Watson. She is the director of Tetralogical. She's also a member of the W3C Board of Directors, as well as co-chair of the W3C Web Applications Working Group. Leonie Watson, welcome to parallel
1: <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. And, you know, I think I'm going to adopt a new title somewhere in there, Accessibility Sprinkle. I like that. I need a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Some someday maybe I'll make a shirt for the show. But but the, the point of that always was that uh, uh, the show's supposed to be about technology, and we throw a little bit of an accessibility angle in. But uh, sometimes it's more accessibility uh, than others. But uh, that that's just our way of uh, sort of branding ourselves. I love it. It's great. So I wanted to talk to Leonie about there are any number of things that we could have talked about. Uh, but I was really intrigued by some writing I read about CSS and speech. And I, I've i been using CSS forever, as many people who've worked on the web have. And I've also been working in accessibility for a really long time. But I had never heard of the CSS speech module. And I was so intrigued that this seemed like a wonderful opportunity not only to talk to Leonie Watson, but to learn more about that model. So I guess that's where I'd like to start. What is CSS speech, the CSS speech module?
1: It's essentially a set of CSS properties that let us design the experience of consuming content content as synthetic speech, as opposed to most of the CSS that we're used to, which of course is properties for letting us design the visual media for, for consuming content. And, you know, I think uh, particularly as voice interfaces have become more and more prevalent in, in recent years, although this CSS speech actually has its origins, it's almost two decades old, if not a little older, in fact, actually, in, in one form or another. I think really now is is the moment to, to revisit it and actually see uh, you know, has the time come to, to make it real, as it were.
0: Do people know about this? I mean, I, I confess ignorance of my own, but to people who, who are web developers, are they familiar with this at all?
1: Not at all, judging by the, the, the reaction I've had from the many conferences I've spoken at over the past three or four years about this. This is an awful lot of happy surprise, astonishment, and then a great deal of disappointment when they discover that it's not actually usable right now. Um, there's no support for it, sadly, or almost
0: none. Yeah. And, and I was surprised to le- read that this did come up, come up like in 2003 or the early mm-hmm. 2000s in any case, and then it was retired and then it came back as a draft. And and, and I want to get to support in a moment. But so, so it, it's been around for a while, but there just hasn't been any, any way of using it, which I guess accounts for, for the ignorance of, of it out there. But I'm wondering, how does it interact or would it interact with Screen readers or any the other ways that people interact with web content via speech now is the idea that it would replace a screen reader for somebody for from the user side obviously because this is CSS has to be developed by the person who's producing yeah. the website but from the user experience point of view would that mean that you're consuming the web differently?
1: Uh, so it's really important I think to answer part of your question first. No, it would not replace a screen reader. You know, I'm a screen reader user. I would still use the same old thing, you know, in exactly the same way. Nothing would change with regards to, you know, my choice of screen reader. What would change, and this is a big if, if screen readers supported CSS speech as well as the browsers, is that it would put a certain amount of control over how our screen readers sounded in the hands of web authors rather than you know the configurations of our screen readers and again there's some you know there's some things in there that really need emphasizing uh nothing in css speech is really able to let a web author take massive you know control of someone's screen reader to the extent that things could really become totally unusable and that's that's the big fear among screen reader users is that some you know some web author could happily come along and, you know, speed up speech to the extent it was it was, you know, impossible to listen to and understand or, you know, change accents or do some other thing to it that would essentially make your core way of consuming content inaccessible. And, you know, that, of course, you'll get no disagreement from me is a really terrible idea. We don't want that happening. But there are kind of fail safes built into the CSS module, and I think there could be more fail-saves to, to, to prevent that. Um, but that kind of leads to another sort of, Interesting problem I've had when I've been discussing this with people is uh, people assume that because I'm a screen reader, I'm advocating this as a screen reader kind of supported technology. I think in time, it will be nice to explore that. But actually, I don't think that's the primary use case for this this module, unusually. Um, Most browsers now, except for um, uh, Chrome, have built-in web readers. You can listen to a page being read aloud to you instead of looking at it. And this is just standard browser functionality. But right now, uh, there's no way for for the owner of a website, the developer of a website, to have any kind of, you know, control or, or choice over, you know, how that synthetic speech the browser uses sounds. And if you think about it, you know, my company website, for example, we've got a blog on there. You know, we've got our brand colors. We've got our brand logo. You know, we've got a whole thing that kind of speaks to our company in a visual sense. It just seems so logical to me that if someone then wanted to use their web reader to listen to some of our blog posts, for example, we might want to have a little something to say about the choice of voice, you know, the default choice of, uh, of voice. I, I would never want to take away ultimate choice from from end users. Um, but, you know, in, audio as part of brand is, is a really big thing. I think it's only going to get bigger, I, I don't think as an industry, we've really started to understand yet the importance of, of joining these things together. And, and that's the bit I think CSS speech could could do. It could just lift up that experience, give it a brand voice, a brand style, a brand tone that coupled with the words that are used, you know, and the way they're spoken, um, it could really set one website's content apart from another, if that makes sense. But people always assume I'm talking about screen readers and don't get me wrong, I would like my screen reader to sound an awful lot more interesting than it does. But I think let's let's start with with the kind of the more broad, mainstream, if you can call it that, use case. Um, if that looks like it's working and it's not producing terrible experiences, um, you know, then maybe we take a step towards screen reader support too.
0: I think it's interesting that web browsers have support have these spoken interfaces available, but obviously screen reader reader screen reader users probably aren't using them to the extent that they could because they have screen readers and people who aren't screen reader users may not even know that they exist. Do you feel like if CSS speech were adopted by browsers and all the other supporting technology that needs to adopt them, that those interfaces would become more robust and more useful? It's quite
1: possible. Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much awareness there is about sort of web reader capability. Um, I think as we've, as an industry, as a community, as we've got more aware that uh, you know distraction on the web is actually quite problematic for a lot of people. You know, we've seen the rise of, of of dark mode, light mode, for example, to to help people focus and concentrate more. I think there is a kind of growing awareness that that listening to content is is generally speaking much more distraction free than looking. You know, looking at it can be, it also lets you do things, you know, while your hands are busy doing something else. In my case, I've invariably got a cup of tea in my hands. So you know, listening to content is nice. It means I don't have to put my
0: cup of tea down. Sure.
1: Um, so I, I think I think there could be certainly more awareness of this browser capability, but I think it is growing. That's, that's certainly my hunch. Um, but you're right. There is a carrot and a stick, I guess, chicken and egg, I'm not sure, which is the right phrase. You know, the better we can make those listening experiences for people, the more likely they are to return and use them again. I think that's just pretty pretty hardcore logic in there. I, I, I can't see it working any other way, really.
0: I've noticed that a lot of content providers, especially journalistic sites where they're producing news articles, have been adding audio players, and they're using some sort of synthetic speech engine to generate that audio, and they're even at a high-level organizations that are having speech based interfaces commissioned. And I guess I wonder if you have a feeling as to whether CSS speech provides an easier or better alternative than players like that because it's built into the code and it doesn't require you to place an element that that might or not might not be accessible in all cases?
1: Yes, I think it would certainly reduce the effort needed by by those websites or those organizations providing it. Uh, I mean as I say with with CSS speech support. There'd be no real reason, I think, for the website itself to have to provide the functionality that lets someone listen to the content. They could just, you know, let people know that their browser has this capability and let it take over with the CSS speech, you know, providing the kind of you know, the fine tuning on, on the tone and quality and, and you know choice of, of the voice, if you see what I mean. So, yes, I think it would be uh, a lot Lighter, a lift in development terms, uh, a lot less code on the page, a lot less JavaScript. So, you know, not unreasonable to think it might have a a, a small benefit in terms of you know general performance as well. Um, so, I think yes, that there there, there there would be benefits to to having this capability. Is my hunch. Well,
0: let's talk about the support for it. You say it's not really supported now; it was retired and then it returned. But what's what's the state of CSS speech both in terms of its development on the authoring side, and what support, if any, exists out there?
1: So from a, a standards point of view, um, it has pretty much now been retired. It's It's been put into a state. The W3C calls a note, which is basically uh, the spec is available, um, more for a matter, matter of public record and interest um, than, than any idea that it's under active development at the moment. Um, in real terms, uh, Safari did implement a tiny little bit of support for a couple of properties um, only on iOS. And interestingly, only when you were using a screen reader. <laughs> so wow. they didn't implement <laughs> the support for um, for their web reader. Um, they did jump straight to the screen reader use case. And um, the, the property that they uh, implemented some support for is called speak as and it lets you as an author have some say over how content like strings of numbers for example are um are spoken so if you get someone who writes a telephone number that's a, a certainly here in the uk a string of what, i don't know eight nine numbers something like that and you know if you write them just as a single string of numbers you know most screen readers for example will just announce them like they're a single number you know so hundred million thousand nine hundred and ninety seven or whatever it might be um you know so you could with this ess property say actually say it one digit at a time or something like that and you know you you can cause it to uh speak letters or one word at a time so you've got a bit more uh, control over how some acronyms say are, are are spoken um I think, uh, however, that that support has disappeared somewhere along the line. I'm not quite sure when it it, it seemed to stop working, but uh, it looks, according to recent testing, very much like it has. So we had a kind of sort of brief moment of <laughs> of a tiny little bit of support, but um, yeah, it's 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 a sad state of affairs. I have to admit.
0: <laughs> That's interesting that it was there for a while. I mean, it sounds like some sort of proof of concept, and I and obviously you'd have to get some developers out mm-hmm. there to to know it was there and to make content that right. could be used to test it so so what's your mm-hmm. role in bringing it back you've written about it i know you've spoken mm-hmm. at, at events about it but are you are you the main cheerleader for it right at this point with the w3c I, or
1: i think i am the main cheerleader i may in fact be the only cheerleader um i don't know <laughs> it's um i don't think i am as i say the reaction i've had from from content authors and developers when i've, I've talked about this has been like oh wow this is so cool you know, where can we go and play with this and see how it works? And, yeah, it's really, like I've said, disheartening to be able to say you actually can't at the minute. So I I think there is an appetite out there, um, but I do think it needs a bit more cheerleading, it needs more visibility, it needs more people talking about it. And I do think that the conversation needs to decouple screen reader experience from everybody else's experience um, because talking to the browsers themselves, uh, you know, when they go in and, and chat about the idea internally the response I I, I get back pretty often is oh you know we're, we're aware there's not really much support for this in fact there's a lot of concern about it you know breaking the user experience for screen reader users uh, and that's definitely a concern um, but like I said it, it it's not the only use case for this and I think we need to just actually go back to and it pains me to say this but let's not think about screen readers, just for a minute. Uh, let's think about everybody else just likes listening to content and how we can improve that experience um, and see how we, we get on with it. Uh, and I think we'll be surprised.
0: And then what's what's the mechanism, if there is one, and maybe there are multiple ones, but what's the mechanism for a user who, who would encounter this content to basically choose and say, I would like to Read what the web reader gives me in CSS speech, or I'd like to use my screen reader if it's a screen reader user.
1: Sure, I mean I think you know there's a number of different things that that would need to happen. Um, we need some mechanism within the browser settings itself to say please ignore CSS speech. You know, in in one sense we've already got that you can disable screen. You know, CSS generally in most browsers, that's too blunt an instrument in this case. Uh, we would need to have a setting that very specifically said, ignore CSS speech. You know, as a screen reader user, I might not want somebody, you know, imposing kind of speech changes on me. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that I wouldn't want you know the rest of CSS being paid attention to. Screen readers don't care too much about CSS in the scheme of things, but things like display none, do have a very you know noticeable impact for screen reader users sure. as well as visually um so if if we suddenly started getting all the you know content that was supposed to be hidden away show up just because we had to disable all css i think that would be a bad outcome so yeah we'd need a, a browser setting so please ignore any css speech properties
0: and then for non screen reader users who encountered a site where it was available i assume that the default would be something like hey this is out here if you'd like to hear your browser you can but it's not going to be doing autoplay <laughs> i mean unless the developer was obnoxious and decided to do that but i assume that that would be the ideal behavior is that it would say speech is available in this web reader press this button and you can hear your browser
1: right so i mean the the, the browsers already provide the speech part yeah. that that functionality exists so you you can do that right now you can just go and choose a page right fine you know unless you're using chrome in which case you need a plugin but safari firefox um, edge you can just go to a page and and in, in various places find it and it'll just read it to you um the difference that css speech would make is is that the default presentation of that voice could be influenced by the web author um, not just use the browser generic defaults um, so at the moment it doesn't matter which website you go to you know your browser will choose the default voice whether it's you know male female whether it speaks fast or slow um you know whether it it, it uses a certain pronunciation for a different language, for example, all that's sort of chosen by the defaults in the browser. Um, CSS speech would just shift some of that over to the web author, which means, like visual design, we'd be able to come up with experiences that are a little more unique than the, the kind of vanilla default, which can be very bland after a
0: while. Got it. I, and I think the comparison between visual CSS and CSS speech is probably more apt than a lot of people who haven't thought about this realize in the sense that you have properties that create styles for mm-hmm. speaking, whether it's speed or whether it's how numbers are read, as you talked about before. Can you talk about some of the properties in CSS speech?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speak as is is kind of the outlier. It's it's the one that's very unique to speech, but the rest of them will all be incredibly familiar to anyone who's been near CSS anytime in the past 25 years. Uh, you know, there's a voice family, much like there's a font family. That lets you you choose the the voice that, that your 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 speech output will use. Um, there's uh, voice volume, obvious changing changing the volume. You can uh, another one voice pitch, voice rate. So you can make the voice a little higher, a little lower, a little faster, a little slower. Um, and I say a little faster, a little slower, very advisedly. So another of the fail safes I mentioned that exists in the spec is that all of these properties are relative to whatever your default sound output is. So uh, whether you're listening to you know, just your browser's web reader or your screen reader uh, and you use the CSS property, it it changes the volume relative to where your vol- volume already is. And so there are limitations. You can't suddenly have synthetic speech shout at you. you know screaming level and scare the scare the living what's it's out of you. Um, you know, there are sort of fail-safes to, to to only make kind of incremental changes. And I've experimented some with this with the web speech API, which has very, very similar properties and capabilities. And, and the changes actually, if anything, are a little bit too subtle in places. <laughs> but yeah. So you can just change all of these things. And you know, in the original spec as it stands at the moment, there's even this idea of an oral box model for those of be familiar with the, you know, the original CSS box model. I think a lot of what's in there is is a product of its kind of origins in in the early 2000s. If I can find enough interest, enough support for for taking this somewhere, what I'd like to do is is really simplify the spec just down to an initial set of quite straightforward properties, probably just the ones I've I've outlined. Um, And just so we can just take a bit of a step towards experimenting with this so yeah, it, it's very familiar territory, is is really the short answer.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the 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 relativism. I mean, anybody who's worked with CSS is absolutely familiar with that concept. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like for a developer, it's it's new. I would imagine that when you're testing it, I mean, it, that's going to be a different mindset, or perhaps even different authors who are focusing on what they want the speech. You're talking about branding, for example, how they want mm-hmm. the speech to. Be uh, delivered might be something different from somebody who's focused on fonts and and you know type the way type appears and, and the like, but but what given that different browsers have different well I guess mostly different computer systems are going to have different voices available and all the different variables out there, wh- what. What are the easiest ways for somebody, and I, I realize as well that we don't have support for this yet, but what are the easiest ways for web authors to sort of test it and make sure that they are hearing the speech experience in a way that's going to be similar to what a, a user would hear?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, if, <laughs> if there was support for CS speech, really just using the web reader functionality right. and, and, you know. In the same way they do, you know, designers will will look at something and they will, you know, instinctively know, or because they've, you know, they've fed in the the outcomes of user research and, and usability testing, know what a good design looks like that's appropriate to the content, you know, and 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 I think it'll be the same with, with the audio experience, the oral experience, you know, you'll listen to it and you'll think actually, is this understandable? Is it clear? Um, you know, do I need to, uh, you know. Strain or, or really concentrate to to understand what's being spoken to me, and and does the the choice of voice match the kind of content? Does it in some respects, I suppose, match the visual display? You know,
0: I feel like that's super interesting because, uh, again, I I feel like it it exercises a different part of the designer or the developer's brain, whereas people think visually who are building websites, but. You, you know, somebody who works in podcasting, for example, or in radio or whatever who's who's focused on audio or sound design uh, might have a different and more nuanced perspective than somebody who's focused on on visual design. I sort of wonder what that means for the, you know for for how one would develop a website
1: right. I think it'll be the same. I, I I would fully expect that we will we will see specialists in in visual design and specialists in in voice design. You know, we're certainly seeing that in, in other platforms. You know, look like at the, the Home Assistance, the Echo, for example, where you've got um, support for the uh, speech synthesis markup language, SSML. Um, and that's a, a markup language not supported in the browser, sadly, um, but it is supported by a lot of the text-to-speech APIs that are, you know, the synthetic speech generation tools that are used by Home Assistance. And you can do pretty much the same set of things. You can change the volume, change the rate, change the voice, change the accent, uh, and we are starting to see, you know, guidelines, principles, and, and even people specialising in this whole idea of voice design for for those particular platforms. So I'm pretty sure that if this does come to the browser, uh, we'll start to see that as well within the in the web development industry.
0: Is there a reason SSML couldn't come to the browser? I know nothing about that language, so I, I'm just curious. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know why the. Browsers have never really implemented it, you know, as a markup language, like they did HTML, obviously, you know, and, and other similar things. But uh, I mean, it would solve the same problem that that CSS speech, you know, is, is trying to solve. They are remarkably similar in their capabilities. Um, I suppose, I mean, SSML predates the CSS speech module even. And I think if we were to look at it through today's lens where we now don't tend to use markup. To control the design elements of, of content, you know, we leave that to the HTML and the structural markup. If you see what I mean, um, SSML would sort of take a, a back step <laughs> to the days where we used to have things like you know, font elements and link mm-hmm. elements and center elements in HTML. So there might be an argument to say actually, you know, in the browser at least, a markup language. Isn't the right tool for the job, but yeah, materially speaking, either would do the trick quite nicely from from the consumer point of view. Um, I don't know why the, the the browsers never never truly supported that. thing.
0: I mean, I guess from a just sort of a way people think about design, the advantage of CSS is they're probably already using it for visual design, and so mm-hmm. whether it's an issue of learning another. Markup language or whether it's just an issue of well i'm already in c s s why don't I you know make my c s s document and 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 wow. include speech in it that might be mm-hmm. more might be simpler and, and people already speak in terms of well here are the properties that c s s has and here it's you know wow. here here's how it behaves relative relatively rather than absolute in absolute terms yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think familiarity is, is a very useful thing in the scheme of things. None of us wants to have to go and learn a whole new thing just because. <laughs> so sure, let's just utilize something we've already, you know, probably got 90% figured out. And like I say, CSS speech properties are so familiar. I, I think it would take, a, you know, most people probably could a whole of 15 minutes to really kind of understand that the properties that are available, you know, and how to use them. And again, you know, we come back to the idea, you know, performance less code if we did have support for ssml we'd end up with a whole ton of markup mm. embedded into each page and of course you wouldn't have the kind of the cascade that we've got with css either so you'd end up with in you know, every page you'd have to go and
0: change your markup
1: every time and ugh, it's just be yeah all the reasons why css was a good thing to begin with apply here just as much
0: you talked about the fact that there's concern on the part of people who advocate for screen readers or screen reader users about how this would impact them can you just talk about what opposition there is, if any, if, if where that comes from, and is it mostly from folks who are screen reader users and feel like this would be somehow not complementary to what they're using?
1: Yes, exactly that. it's it's the the worry that if we enabled you know web developers, web authors to determine how our screen readers sounded, that the choices they would make would be done without any real understanding of what they were doing to us, <laughs> and that's not an reasonable concern, to be honest. Know. You know, if, if you can imagine, if we um, if we were inventing the web now, but with all the historical knowledge we've got about interface design and accessibility, and, and somebody came along and said, "Hey, look, you know, a website author can tell you what colour you're going to see everything in, and how it's going to be laid out on the page," and I have to admit, I suspect a lot of us would kind of pause for a bit and go, you know what, <laughs> I like my content in this way. I don't really want somebody else to come along and design it for me. Um, and, and, you know, we we know to our cost, those of us who work in accessibility, you know, colour contrast is a problem. Lots of text out there on the web is more or less unreadable to an awful lot of people. Um, or the text size isn't comfortable enough, you know, and all of those things. So it's not like there isn't previous for saying... And I'm really sorry to everyone who's actually a practitioner of these things out there, but we don't always get it right all the time with the tools that we've got. So the argument that actually if we let people loose on our, our speech output too, um, and they might not you know, impose designs that, that were kind of all that usable, it's kind of hard to push back on that one. But it does bring me back to the fail-safes within the module that mean you can't speed something up too much or you can't make it you know so quiet that nobody could hear it um and that with the ability just to within your browser kind of say actually you know what just ignore this thing altogether go away I just want my screen reader exactly as I have it set up I think all of those things just put the choices right back with the, the screen reader user then if you want to experience it fine you can if you don't just turn it off
0: and, and, and we're all good. The catch 22 of not having browser support out there is that it's hard to kind of prove that in in real world. You can't like build a website <laughs> right. and say, see, look what we did. We, we implemented it in a, in a friendly way. But that also maybe gives more benefit to mm-hmm. w- somebody, whether they're a screen reader user or not, who wants to use this spoken content. And we didn't right. do anything bad to your screen reader. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Which is why I'd like the, the, the first use case to be the web readers. Um, you know, because I think if we can get support in the browser within the web reader context, give authors a chance to to start using this and and you know seeing what they want to do with it, we'll we'll get a very real sense of of what the resulting experiences look like. Um, you know, and from there, if if it looks like people are, are building terrible voice experiences, sure, then I think we've got a pretty good argument to say hell no, <laughs> get off my screen reader. But, you know, we haven't seen horrible voice experiences in any other platform where, you know, authors have got control over it. Uh, Interestingly, actually, if you look at something like the Echo, for example, um, you know, the the, the voice experiences there are very, very clear. But most skills that you get on that platform don't utilize all the voice capabilities, voice design capabilities that that are available. Um, So actually what we end up with is a slightly tweaked kind of experience that might be a little faster, a little slower, or you might use some of the kind of the, uh, I forget what they call them, audio icons, you know, that, that make Alexa speak in a particular way or you. Uh, uh, but they just sort of enhance the experience. And, and that's very much what the evidence of those platforms suggests. And I'm not that convinced that, that we'd see a wild, you know, change away from that in the browser, to be honest with you.
0: I mean, it feels like those experiences in and, and voice assistance, though, consistency is so important in terms of what I expect to hear, right? The volume needs to be consistent. The voice needs to be the same. And, and I would guess that, I don't know, but I would guess that they've found out that that there are things that they could do to make it more, quote unquote, interesting or have more, even more personality, but or, or but, but that they've figured out that they need to sand those edges down in some way. And I guess I wonder if that, if, Web content is so. There's so so much variety in web content. I hadn't even thought of what you're saying before, which is like the branding aspect. Because depending on the kind of content I have, I might want to go a little bit off the range, so to speak. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, going back to the echo as an example, you're right. From a platform point of view, uh, you know, they have kind of smoothed out a lot of the rough edges. But as a as an author creating a skill. I've got all the capability that I've just described in CSS mm-hmm. speech. It's already available to, to skills in the Echo, but you're not finding people using it. Um, you know, occasionally you'll find a skill that uses a completely different voice from from the default one. Um, you know, a different accent from from the one that you know, whatever region your your Echo is is situated in. Um, you know, all these capabilities to make it louder, faster those can all be controlled on the Echo by the authors creating skills. So we've got a platform where all this capability is already present, and yet we're not seeing any kind of really terrible voice experiences
0: mm-hmm. being
1: generated by authors. So, you know, I, as I say, I think that to me speaks to the fact that, that we won't see this, this you know, terrible experience kind of emerging out of it if we were to move this to the web.
0: So, what are the next steps for you? You, you obviously have on. There's the standard side. There's the getting browser support side. Are, are there things you're actively doing to sort of pro- promote this, other than talking about them and writing about them?
1: Well, I mean, the thing that I think I'd like to really find out now is is am I am I right in my hunch that authors would like this capability, that content producers would like this capability, um, you know, browsers. Quite understandably, you know, are reluctant to put um time and effort into implementing new things because it's incredibly resource and you know intensive to implement a new spec in a browser to to any capable degree. And of course, you know, to make something sort of production viable, we need a, at least a couple of in, independent browser implementations engines to do it, so we can really kind of use this this out there sort of viably in production. Um, and and so they tend very often to, to kind of listen to, to the audience out there and say, actually, is is there a, a real desire for this out there in the community? So I guess that's my next thing, is really to sort of test that out. So uh, I suppose to anyone listening to this and thinking, hey, yeah, you know what? This sounds like something I'd like to be able to play with as a content producer or a web developer. Um, write to me, you find me on Master, you can find me through my website, <laughs> just... <laughs> start making some noise about it. Um, and, and, and you know, I think if there is enough interest, uh, that's probably the thing that, that may cause the browsers to to sort of think, actually, perhaps it's time to reconsider whether we support this or not.
0: Leonie Watson, it's been so great to talk to you about CSS speech. I, I love learning about things I know nothing about, but that now I'm super intrigued by. So, so thank you so much for being on Parallel. It was great to talk to you
1: it's been lovely to be here and particularly thank you for giving me a chance to talk about something that's uh, very close to my heart mm-hmm.
0: can, how can people contact you want to want to give your website and your uh, your social accounts or how, what's the best way for people to get in touch if they want to learn more
1: uh sure my uh personal website is tink.uk nice in short and the easiest way to get hold of me on social media is on Masto and I am at tink at front-end.social.
0: Great, and we'll have links to that in the show notes as well as all the other things we talked about today. and Watson, thank you so much again. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parallel. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. Until then, you could keep up with the show at relay.fm slash parallel and please go ahead and do that. I don't have a Mastodon account for the show yet, but you can always follow me at Shelley at Zeppelinflights. So that's S-H-E-L-L-Y at Z-E-P-P-E-L-I-N dot f l i g h t s, And uh, it's probably easiest to go to the website to find Mastodon URLs because I don't think we've all agreed on a URL format that we like and that is friendly to say aloud. Maybe that's a topic for another episode. In any case, uh, do feel free to send feedback there. I still check out the Parallel Pods account over on Twitter occasionally if you want to do that. But uh, we'd be happy to hear from you and uh, look for another episode of Parallel in two weeks. Bye now.